for me, it always starts in the root. We've got to get into the part of these different areas of our life. So for me, what, let me define what I mean by the roots, right? The roots are the different areas of our life, our value systems, you know, our health and fitness, our careers, our family, our relationship, our friends. Those are what I call our root system. And when we get into those, we, we there's different meanings that we attach to all of them, you know, how, what our value systems are, our belief systems around each one of these type of things. And so when we look at those, I think what happens is we can start to understand what feeds them. And I call that the taproot. When we go really, really, really deep and we figure out what feeds us and nourishes us and drives us, then we can apply it to our root system. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Carnivera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We're back here with episode 67, and our guest is Chandra Lynn. The title is Get to Your Roots, The Path to Getting Unstuck and Living a Transformational Life. Chandra is an entrepreneur and she owns two successful businesses. One is called Glow Marketing that provides services to support executives in business and career goals. She's also the founder and host of Glow Living. It's a lifestyle brand and a platform for personal growth and healthy living. Chandra's gonna talk about several things today. She's gonna talk about this idea of how you can transform your life in one second. She's going to talk a lot today about this idea of our roots and our root system, about how important it is to get clear on what those root systems are and the basis for them. She's also going to talk about how we can transform our life experiences by changing the lens through which we see life and the meanings we put on those experiences or choose not to. And you're going to hear a lot today about the idea of transformation happens when you make true decisions. So get ready to be inspired today and experience a different way of living by getting to your roots. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We have a special guest coming from the San Francisco Bay Area. We have Chandra Lynn with us today. She is a certified coach. Uh, she was actually certified by the Tony Robbins Medane's Center for Strategic Intervention. She's got an MBA, but here's what I love about Chandra. Uh, her company, she's got two companies. One is glowmarketing.com. The other is glowliving.com. And not like she's going to challenge herself, but here's a quote I found. She said, it's never too late to create a life and career that you love. Here it comes. This is the pressure part. And transforming your life can happen in a single second. So we're here for about 45 minutes. So <laughs> there's going to be lots of transformation or else we're all going to be disappointed. So welcome, Chandra. Welcome. Thank you so much. It definitely can happen in a single second. That's uh, what I mean by that is it can happen with one really great decision. Yes, absolutely. There we go. So Chandra, before we dive into how we can transform and mm -hmm. all of those great things, Tell us a little bit about your story that brings you here today. Well, thanks for having me. This is really great. You guys are so fun. And I know that we're going to have a great time on this call. So I, I'm so glad everybody's tuning in. So my story, well, I mean, in a nutshell, what, what can I say? I'm an overachiever. I got an MBA at 24. I went back, got a coaching certificate. I started several companies. Uh, like you said, my glow marketing agency serves a bunch of clients. We've got such cool clients right now. We have this one called Mojo Vision and they're making, <laughs> yeah, well, they're making smart contact lenses. It's insane. Okay. It's uh, augmented reality. It's very cool. Oh, wow. um, and so most of my career has actually been in music or music technology. Hmm. And then I launched Glow Living, uh, Glow Living, Glow, I can't even say my own name, glowliving.com. 
because I decided that it was time to do a little bit more than marketing consulting. I wanted to also offer coaching services. And so I work with all kinds of leaders on both their life and their career goals. Gotcha. So in your definition, what does glow mean to you? Because you've used it in both your companies. Mm -hmm. Well, it means to shine brightly and steadily. And when I really thought about it, I thought, well, that's kind of what we need to do from within. But it's also in terms of businesses, what, you know, we do to shine brighter and more steadily than our competition. So we can use it in a business sense as well. But yeah, it's really about glowing inside and out and in business. And so it's kind of a a word that I I took on, gosh, um, in I, I started my business in 2000. And then all of a sudden the word glow became everywhere. It's tanning salons. JLo has a perfume. I mean, glow, 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 right? And um, actually I've been fighting the good fight for the trademark and it looks like I'm going to win. So Wow, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you certainly seem very intentional about names because clearly glow means something to you. And I did mention you've got an online course called Root to Rise, which I want to hear more about that. And then you have a, you co-host a women's empowerment membership called Own Your Throne. So I, I love the naming <laughs> you do, but I really want to yeah. get it. What's behind some of those naming? What is Roots to Rise about and, and owning your throne? Well, yeah, I love naming. I love the um, having a deeper meaning to things that I'm doing. And Root to Rise is kind of a yoga philosophy. And what it basically means is when we root down into a strong, stable foundation, like a tree with really strong roots, it gives us that framework or that foundation to be able to rise from, to reach our fullest potential, to even expect ourselves to have goals or to connect with something higher, like a higher purpose. And without that strong, stable foundation that we can root into, it's very difficult for us to have the expectations of ourselves to rise and reach the goals that, that we might set out for ourselves in younger years. And we could certainly end up becoming a little bit more um, disappointed later in life if we don't do that. So my course is all about you know getting to the root of the matter, going back to your roots, balancing those roots, um, getting unstuck from anything holding us back so that we can actually go ahead and meet those expectations that we have for ourselves. Wow. So I want to dive into something here that you, you haven't really directly brought up, but it connected for me as you were uh, speaking, Chandra. Today, there was someone I know on LinkedIn who was posting about the importance of people having a personal mission, which may or may not be the same as a purpose. And my comment on this, the post was, I didn't have a personal mission until 10 years ago. I do now. And I don't know how I did, lived without it, but I don't meet a lot of people that have a personal mission. So what does personal mission mean to you and how might that fit with the work that you do? It's a really great question. I think it's really about tapping into what gives your life meaning and kind of what you're interested in. You know, let me just segue really quick to a higher purpose and then I'll go into the mission and, and the differences. A higher purpose, you know, people get really frustrated if they don't have a higher purpose, but they need to realize that a higher purpose isn't necessarily something that you're just bestowed with at birth. You know, <laughs> a higher purpose, in my opinion, is something that we choose for ourselves. And a lot of times it's what we want to connect to that helps us feel like we're in service. It helps us feel like we're transcending our own needs to be able to give back and aligning to something that is meaningful to us. Now, what's meaningful to us may have a different priority to someone else. We may be super passionate about helping young children, or we may be super passionate about helping animals or the environment. And you, you know, a lot of people have these different platforms and it's because potentially something occurred for them early in life that left an impact. So for example, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and she was a therapist and she spent her whole career helping people. Mm -hmm. And then it started to become apparent to me that, you know, with Alzheimer's, she wasn't able to do the work that she was once able to do. And so it became a passion for me to help support the cause of Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So when we have something that happens to us early in life or we, or we can have empathy around something very important, then we can align to that and we can, you know, use our lives to be in service to it and to support it. And that can put us 
on a mission, on a mission to do something about it. And a mission is a little bit more of an action word. It's like what we're, you know, higher purpose, what we're aligned to and want to, you know, leave a legacy for and be known for. But a mission is kind of that journey to get there. Mm. Good. There's something you said in there that I wanted to go back to, Chandra. You were talking about you choose your purpose. And I love that because I agree with you. I think that some people are waiting for their purpose to come to them. But I think there's a thoughtful nature to this. And to really claim, there's a claiming, I guess, is the word. So talk to me about how you work with people and clients around the choosing of this purpose. For me, it always starts in the roots. We've got to get into the part of these different areas of our lives. So for me, what let me define what I mean by the roots, right? The roots are the different areas of our life, our value systems, you know, our health and fitness, our careers, our family, our relationship, our friends. Those are what I call our root system. And when we get into those, we, we there's different meanings that we attach to all of them, you know, how, what our value systems are, our belief systems around each one of these type of things. And so when we look at those, I think what happens is we can start to understand what feeds them. And I call that the taproot. When we go really, really, really deep and we figure out what feeds us and nourishes us and drives us, then we can apply it to our root system. And from there, we can tap into the thing that or, you know, most people have more than one thing that, you know, it's the mission part and the higher purpose part is then just choosing something that might be, you know, something that you're the most deeply passionate about or heartfelt about in order to align to, to create either a business or volunteer work or a cause or something. But most people are multifaceted diamonds that have a lot of interests and a lot of things that, that are meaningful. So aligning to a higher, higher purpose you know, it's kind of like the saying as above, so below, we need to look at our roots and what's deeply meaningful, nourishing to us in order to know what to rise to and connect to when it comes to a higher purpose or a mission. So what I do is I help people unpack that. Gotcha. Yeah. I found that experience is one of those things that helps you realize what, what you really like to do and what you really don't like to do. And, you know, as, as people go into college, as, as I've advised several high school students, I said, you know, make sure that what you're going in for is something that you actually want to do. Go shadow somebody, do something like that. And then you'll kind of figure out, okay, is this really what I want to do? I mean, it's like Jeff is a re recovering or recovered attorney. And would, would you have uh, wished that on anybody else, Jeff? Well, I would wish that on anybody that it fits for them. It right. took me a long time to realize that it wasn't, it's what I thought I wanted to do, but it, realized it wasn't who I was. And maybe it was just my evolutions that to evolve to a point of saying that was me in the beginning. But when I realized later, it wasn't me. Yeah. It, I love that. that. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that in terms of making career pivots. You know, when we, when we choose something for ourselves, it does, it's for where we are at that time. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be lifelong. It may be that we need to experience that to be able to grow to the point of being able to see around the bend to what's next. And then we pivot or we, you know, course correct in order to take on new challenges. And that's called growth. You know, we all have a high <laughs> yeah. need for growth. So you learned what you needed to learn from that experience, whether you liked it, whether you didn't, what you got out of it, what you didn't and, and course corrected. And, and I really applaud you for that because when people give themselves permission mm. to make those pivots and those adjustments, that actually is what, how I define transformation. It's mm. interesting because a lot of times our egos get in the way. Oh, well, you know, if I, if I make a change, you know, maybe I'll have to go into relearning and I'm, I'll take a step down. Yeah. And why is that a problem? I mean, I, I took a step back in my business and went back to, you know, not necessarily school, but kind of school. I, I took a job specifically to learn a skill, got paid a whole bunch less for it. But then when I came out of that, now that's what's making me most of my money. Well, the so. step down thing is really an ego, egoic kind Absolutely. of view, right? It's like, so, and then it, so we have to ask ourselves two things. One is what is that, what attach, what meaning are we attaching to what we think about ourselves and our identities? 
And then how much do we care about what other people think? Right? So, <laughs> we usually care a lot, actually. <laughs> right. We do. But when we have sovereignty, you know, and this is where my own your throne program comes in. Okay. We talk a lot about soul sovereignty. When we feel sense of self-worth and self-sourcing authority, mm -hmm. then we don't need as much approval from others. We give ourselves approval. That's yeah. what that's all about. Very good. Well, you definitely tapped on something that got my attention there, Tim. I don't hear it a lot. You commented on the meanings we put on things. Yeah. And, you know, that is one of my core philosophies that I share with folks is that their life experience is very little about the actual experience. It's really about the meanings that they have chosen to put on those experiences yes. that really creates the ultimate experience. But it's, I call myself an itist. An I-T-I-S-T, -I not, not a realist, not an optimist, not a pessimist. But so I look at the, the real data, but that's just data. The experience is based upon what I make it mean about me or don't. That shows me how awakened you are. I mean, when people <laughs> have... <laughs> Oh, wait, I, is that not true? No, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's no, that's okay. We're good with that. <laughs> of course. It, it, just you know, woke, because too. Yeah, just, you're so, you're, we're all so woke, right? That's the thing to do and be these days. But, you know, the thing is, is this. It's like we, it's all about the lens that we're looking through and the meaning we're attaching to our experiences and the things yeah. we're focusing on. And um, actually, without, you know, I'm not trying to sell my course, but I'm trying to that this meaning idea, this idea of attaching meaning is a big part of the course because we can, to me, when we attach meaning, it summons certain emotions, okay? Mm -hmm. So that can bring different energies to, to our life. So if we're getting depressed a lot, I always invite people to look at what meaning they're attaching to the, what they're experiencing because yes. the same, different people can attach different meanings and summon different, mo different emotions. Absolutely. They can have the exact same same thing happened to them. And I look at that in business all the time. You know, some bad news might come into the boardroom and you go around the table and one person is super angry and pissed. And, you know, another person maybe gets sad and depressed. Another person maybe, oh, stay la vie. You know, we didn't need it that much anyway. And you see all these different responses and it, the same thing happened to all those people. So why? Because they attached a different meaning through a different lens. So and that I think is actually the key to emotional mastery. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also have that other person in there that's saying, wow, okay, this is a great opportunity for us to for sure. change, you know, what, what's been broken in our business. Yeah. So, and that yeah. is the big spectrum that we can have. And when we just have the awareness that we can, that there are different ways of seeing it, I think that's when we can grow and we can start to choose the more empowering approach. Yeah. It's funny that you use the uh, the example of the boardroom and how everybody has different meanings because I've had similar conversations with groups of people around emotions because people say to me, well, there are certain emotions that are natural. And I said, no, they're not. You're, they're not. They are based upon your experience and what you put on it. And the example I came up with on the fly one day is we're in a room, 10 people. And I said, I want you to all imagine that at the same moment, Somehow I did it in the same moment. I all slapped you in the face. <laughs> so you all had the same physical experience. Then I go around and I say, so what's your emotion if I did that? Uh, anger, fear. A couple people said shame. Like I must have deserved that for some wow. reason. Interesting. And I said, look, the, it was the exact same experience. The only difference is some might be bigger than you or male, female, but yeah. There was a physical contact to your body, but you all had a different emotional reaction, but you think it's the same. And I think it's interesting with meanings that people almost never put what we would label a positive meaning when they're doing the meanings. Like if, uh, an example I thought about the other day, someone had not responded to a text and I'm thinking, well, I wonder why they haven't responded. And I thought, well, I could assume that they're, you know, waiting for the mm -hmm. right time to really respond. Yeah. But of course, no, I might more likely put a meaning of, well, they're, not, they're upset with me. They don't like me, whatever that is. But those meanings are rarely what we would call positive meanings. 
There's some I don't less know if about this. a human condition, <clears throat> you know, that we just end up uh, worrying about our, ourselves and our place in people's lives. But yeah, I agree. I think that we can choose a more empowered, positive meaning. And that I, I heard that we only use a very small range of our emotions that, we, you know, there's a huge spectrum. And when we look at all the same words for, I mean, all the different words for the same thing, that there's a huge variety and that they can all summon a different power to your emotions, a different energy level. And so yeah. why wouldn't we always choose the more, the most empowering one? We just don't. Conditioning. I think it is conditioning. The same thing with assumptions. You know, you, yeah. you look at a company and you, you know, you encourage leaders say, look, if there's no communication, that's not good because most right. people will fill the lack of communication with something negative or less than yeah. they don't assume there's no communication because it's great. They just don't. And I, you know, I think part of it is if, if we can individually become aware of that and choose not to do that, but as a collective, it's pretty much going to go that default mode of something's wrong. Something's bad. Something's well, that word negative, it's, it's interesting how we've been programmed. Hmm. Well, and this is a leadership podcast, so I invite everybody listening to consider that they have a choice, right, in this, and that if they choose the more, the more positive meaning and they choose that more empowered approach, that they're going to be leading by example for other people to do the same. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really intrigued by something you said in your bio, Chandra, it's not an unusual phrase. You talk about helping people get unstuck. You're certainly not the only one. Lots of coaches speak to that. I certainly have. But can you speak to what are the things you typically find that are getting people stuck? And what are some of the strategies for being unstuck? So when I talk about being stuck, I'm usually referring to being stuck in one of the root areas of life, and that is holding back their growth, right? So mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about it, uh, it can be in any area. I mean, we're, I, this podcast being about leadership, you know, I'll talk about career. And that is that um, it could be self-esteem issues. It could be belief systems that are holding them back, like imposter syndromes mm -hmm. or you know, those kind of things. And so then when those, the first step is identifying those, just the person becoming aware that that's happening. Some of it is they're not aware of. So the first step is becoming aware of what it is that's holding them back and then becoming aware of what that belief system behind it is and potentially where they adopted that. You know, was it from a caregiver when they were growing up? Was it from a colleague that, you know, is it something they absorbed? You know, where did it come from? Because getting to the root of it can then allow them to decide whether to continue to choose it. Mm. Another step is to look at what is it costing them to hold onto it over time? And some people call yeah. this the Dickens process where there's a, there's an actual coaching methodology around, uh, you know, the, um, it's based on Scrooge and looking at the the you know ghosts that come and teach him these lessons. It's like how bad things could get, you know, going into the yeah. future. And so um, they can look at, well, what is this going to cost you if you keep thinking that or believing that? Mm -hmm. And in a year from now, in three years from now, in five years from now, and you ratchet up the pain and the consequences to the point where it's a must to make a change and let go of that of that negative attached meaning yeah well it sounds like in what you just shared chandra you're not a in your coaching you're not you don't encourage the nike approach the nike approach is just like get over it stop doing that you're actually doing the work to dig into it i think i meet people who are coaches who basically it's just just stop that Okay, now you realize that's not good for you. Great, great awareness. Don't do that again. Like, it doesn't well, really work for most people. You know, yeah. I think we're especially analytical beings, you know, and we have to get it really into our body and we have to really feel the emotion behind it. And we really have to see the consequences and, and make a, a choice. And no transformation or change is going to happen until a true decision is made. That's why I opened up this whole thing talking about 
you know, the fact that we can make a transformation with a single decision, you know, yeah. but without that decision, there is no transformation. So what I um, coach, and and this is part of a philosophy that I learned from a dear friend, Kristen Desange, who learned it from Douglas Brooks, you know, all these teachers passed down over the ages are, are you know, things really come down to three questions. What do you want? Why do you want it? And what are you willing to do about it? Right. <laughs> what happens is people think they know what they want. Oh, I want, you know, to own my own business or I want a promotion. Okay, great. Why do you want it? And if they even go to that, you know, oh, well, it's going to make me more money. Well, why, why do you want that? You just have to keep getting d- deeper, deeper, deeper. I mean, right. some of it's obvious. Some of it, it there might be something deeper, right? Like it could be about there. A lot of times when it's really impactful, it's about their identities, yeah. how it impacts their identities. You know, oh, by having that promotion, I'm going to seem more successful. People are going to see me as more powerful. You know, they're going to respect me more. You know, when you could get into more than just the financial security stuff and get into what it really means for how they identify themselves, then you can move on to the third question of what they're willing to do about it. And that is really powerful. Most people don't really understand that it takes that kind of decision-making and commitment. What are you willing to do? Are you willing to go back to school and get a degree? Are you willing to take that a step down, like Craig was talking about earlier, are you willing to go through, you know, that ego hit of taking a lesser job to be able to change, you know, to a different parallel path? Mm -hmm. So when you can, when you can answer those three questions and dig that deep, then you have a game plan and you've got decisions made and then the just do it approach can start to to come in. But I don't think that it'll work until people have the, the awareness of the awarenesses of those three key questions. I like those questions. I, I guess what hit me was you were saying, sharing Chandra, Chandra is, I don't know if it's a fourth question or a part B of the third one, which is what am I willing to let go of? Because mm-hmm. my belief is to get something new, there's probably something I have to let go of. Uh, maybe it's a belief about myself. Maybe yeah. it's the meaning I've attached, whatever it is. So part of the getting to what I'm willing to do, part of that doing might be, I got to let go of something. Like you said, I got to let go of this job that pays me $75,000 a year and all that I feed off of that in order to go make 50,000 or 30,000 or whatever. So I'm going to probably have to let go of something as well. And that identity piece, right? The identity of what I, what I was with that other job or, you know, what, how that impacts how I view myself or how the world views me. So yeah, when, when you can explore that and be willing, I love that what you just said about what, what can you let go of? And mm-hmm. we're in the fall. The fall is a wonderful time of year to look at what to release and what to mm-hmm. make room for, because just like the leaves are falling off the trees, that's nature's way of indicating it's a natural process to let go and use that nature-based wisdom to assist you in allowing yourself to let that stuff go now so that you don't bring it into the new year. You know, you're going to let that go. And then you're going to go through a little bit of a fallow period, you know, let letting new seeds germinate over the winter and come spring, your new ideas for a business or whatever you want for yourself are going to sprout and start to take form. And that is, that is a nature-based law. I mean, mm, so why not that. use it to your advantage? Yeah. Love that analogy. It's uh, definitely a good reminder that there are natural cycles in life, um, and we we need to be looking at that and and some self care in there as well. Because sometimes you know, especially with COVID or or other issues that that have a lot of external stress for us, if if we allow that to be stressful, um, then those are those are those things that say, hey, you know what, I need to take a step back, take care of myself, and then come back out with full force. I'm glad you brought up COVID because I recently did an interview called Pandemic Proofing Your Career. (laughs) And one of the things that came up about it uh, is that it is a really good time to start looking at how to do things differently. Absolutely. You know, the world, it's a snow globe that just got shooken up in a Uh-oh. major way. Uh-oh. Right? Uh-oh. 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 Did I talk the snow globe? And yeah, just <laughs> Jeff's usually has the background of a snow globe. You know, he's, he's the snow globe. Snow globe. <laughs> and uh, so you will relate, 
right? Okay. Well, and yeah. so are we, aren't we in the middle of that? Like the, the, the snow is just absolutely, we don't know how it's going to settle. And so use that to our advantage to take it as a sacred pause, to look at what's working and not working in our life. Yeah. And, you know, go through those, those explorations of career pivots and other changes that need to be made, other things that need to be let go of. Certainly the way that things were before are not working anymore in a lot of ways. And we have to release our attachments to them and our expectations that those things will be successful. And honestly, I'm doing it in my jobs too, my um, career paths, my businesses. You know, I'm, in fact, I decided to give away the part one of my course for free because I'm like, you know, it doesn't feel like the best time to sell anything. I just want to help people right now. But you know, yeah, it affects my business model, but you know what? It's all about doing it differently now. So now is a time to help and support other people, give things away for free, you know, think about new ways. Uh, Hey, I I believe in abundance, which means I will come up with another idea for making money right now. If people need this and and it's going to help them, then I want to offer that. And so, you know, just think about how you can approach things differently. I was definitely attached to the idea of making money through my route to rise course. And now I've said, you know what, I'm going to let go of that, give it away. And maybe I'll gain something different, you know, no, some kind of audi- larger audience or I can work with later, who knows, but let's do what's right for people and right for ourselves now that may be completely different than, than our original expectations, even at the beginning of this year. Wow. As you talk about snow, it, it, Reminds me, I, I love snow. I love taking walks in snow because what happens is when you go out and you're walking in the snow, everything is silent and you don't have all the distractions, right? And so you have that, that peaceful place where you can rethink and, and you, can, you can be, like you were saying, more grounded, more rooted, uh, more connected to source, more connected to, to God. And when we, when we take that time to do that. I, that's one of the reasons I love snow. I know Jeff likes snow for different reasons. I want to hear Jeff and the snow yeah. globe story. Uh, I yeah, right. like, I, no, I do not like snow because it's not silent. It's oh. my teeth chattering. If I can walk on a beach uh, and let the sand in my toes, it's just as quiet there. Uh, I'll take the sound of the surf, but we okay. all, we all find our environment and, I mean, the, the snow globe piece is a, a slightly longer story, Chandra, but I stumbled upon it two or three years ago while I was speaking. And it's, it spoke to me, and I just spoke it out and evolved about this idea that snow globes exist for one reason. They only exist to be shaken. That is why <laughs> they exist. But they are almost, they're nearly never shaken because they're pretty enough as they are. And it's a reminder that how easy it is to settle and that I, as a leader, Mm. I need to remember to shake it and to make shifts and changes in the shaking because otherwise I shake it. And as soon as I stop shaking, everything settles again. And that's what happens in my leadership and my relationships and our culture. It's good enough and it looks pretty, but it's meant to be shaken. And that's how we create those transformations if we're willing to shake things up and then make some shifts in the middle of it, you've got to make some shifts too. So it's a shake and shift formula. Almost like shake and bake. Remember those? I do remember that as well. Well, You know, here's the thing. I love what you guys both just said, because Craig, I think you were putting the exclamation point on my statement about taking the sacred pause and whether it's in the snow or on the beach, you know, it's a time to do that and look at things differently. And I love Jeff, what you said about, you know, the change and things settling and stuff. And, you know, what, when we get too complacent, I think the world has a way of shaking things up for us. And then we can start to feel powerless (laughs) and um, stressed by the uncertainty. And then we have to find ways to create uncertainty. I mean, our own certainty. Right. And I think people are super adaptable and that's why things start to settle again. And I think it's good that we're adaptable, but we also have to adapt in a way that's going to grow us you know, on this journey, you know, our soul's journey. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. 
At Cardevera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cardevera.com. Welcome back. Well, and I think it's interesting you say that because I have a quote in my email signature. Uh, I want to forget his last name. He's one of the co-founders of Netflix. And he said, you have to disrupt yourself before someone else does. And now when I speak, when I put that up, I say, or something else, i.e. COVID. <laughs> but there's a second piece to that because disruption alone doesn't change anything. The question is, what am I going to do with the disruption? You know, COVID has created disruption. And I think there's great learning here, but I also think the learning is a choice. I think yes. some people are going to go through this experience and at the end, they will not be a different person. They will have had a different experience, but they will not have learned. They will not have grown because like you said, it's a choice. It's a decision. It's not a default. And, and that's one of the things I've learned in my own life. I can go through a lot, but if I don't consciously figure out what I need to learn from it, it was just a different experience. Yeah, it would be sad to, to not have grown through this process. Well, yeah, and you, you guys are talking about growth mindset. And I think anybody listening to your podcast is going to have a growth mindset. You know, they're, they're here to learn something new. And so that's great. And if, if they don't, you know, learn through the pandemic or if people don't, you know, see this as an opportunity to learn, it, things will will be shaken up for them and it'll just keep, it could potentially repeat in a different way, right? Until we learn the lesson, that kind of karmic thing of, okay, well, we, we didn't learn the first time. So if we're going to keep learning or keep experiencing it until we do. And I think that that's, that's possible. And so people, you know, are definitely learning things from this pandemic and there's a lot out there to gain from it. I, I think there are people you can find that say, well, look, like for example, people rediscovering family family values and how important it is to stay home. You know, some people are learning about the impact on the environment of what we were doing, leading these super busy manufacturing oriented lives. You know, there there's people that, you know, the, the, the whole dolphins entering Venice canals, you know, they're seeing things in the environment that are positively yeah. being impacted by a, a lighter footprint that we're having on the planet. There's so many things that we can point to as learnings from this that go beyond even our day-to-day -day lives and just looking at the larger world. Uh, but then we can look at how it's impacting us personally. And, and there's so much about how adaptable we are, how patient and graceful we can be through this. How, if we can have a focus on giving to others, if we can use this time for growth, for pivoting, for learning. And I think that that has so much to do with the person's growth mindset. So I love that you guys hit on that. I think the summary of what we've all been just saying here is shake it or be shaken. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're going to have to start selling snow globes. I think maybe I'll make more money than my course. <laughs> oh, I've got a garage full of them. Ooh, yes, hold I, on to I, them. I, do. I give them away. I sell them. Yes. They, in fact, they're similar to the glow. They don't say glow, but the, the tagline that someone helped me create, I had the first two words, they say shake shift and shine Ooh, so I they like fit it. so they fit with glow so well, I, I wish i could go, see your collection uh well huh that's doable <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, yeah well maybe we, you know every podcast you could come and show a new snow globe <laughs> here, here we're gonna do this we're gonna go off script here wow because this, i started is this a first start, no well yes i'm not gonna show you mine because they're in boxes but i'm gonna show you i started collecting snow globes I didn't own a snow globe three years ago. Uh, I don't know if you can fully see this now. Let me switch my camera. So if you can see it oh, here. Wow. Oh, okay. yeah. They're in a case even. Yeah. I now have something like 80 or 90 snow globes Wow. Uh, from the places I've been around the country, around the world. Whoops. Okay. Everybody so. send Jeff snow globes for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get thousands of snow globes from all around the well, world. Make that sure they're cool. from cool places. Cause <laughs> I mean, cause yeah, I, the cool part is that they all like come with a story of anywhere. I go somewhere new since I bought the snow globe. So yeah, snow globes have just become this thing. 
it's uh it's part so that of was it. a new one chandra so you 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 opened him up he's never yeah. carried the, the camera with him never before. carried the camera around you just made a <clears throat> you just made a podcast pivot exactly <laughs> exactly a pp i made a pp oh. <laughs> so let me ask you a question chandra that hit me a little earlier in the inter in the conversation you were talking about the importance of going back to the roots and i'm a big believer in that yeah. i believe that is critical and I'm also guessing that you, as I do, run into people who have a lot of resistance to going back and saying things like, why do I have to even figure that out? Can I just focus on going forward? So can you speak to your mm, philosophy yeah, on point. that? I don't necessarily think people have to spend a lot of time, you know, contemplating their navel there or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, they can do that with a therapist if they really want to do that deep dive. What I like to do is, you know, laser focus on what is making, you know, making them feel like they're stuck and being able to just come up with really practical solutions. I'm I'm pretty practical, you know, type of person. I, you know, what what my coach background is is, you know, about it's called strategic intervention. So it's really about making the fastest change to transform. And it's not about, you know, say like a coaching where you're more like a therapist, where you're meeting somebody once a week or every other week or something like that. It's really about getting to the root of it and, and figuring out what's going to make a difference. And I talked to you a little bit about my strategies with, um, you know, looking at how they're going to be impacted over time and, you know, and what to release and all those kind of things we just talked about. But I think that it's not so much about, um, you know, spending a lot of time there, but it is in itself something to look at that they don't want to look at it. Do you <laughs> see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I think that if there's, a, if there's an avoidance, okay, that is in itself a flag. And so as a coach, now coaches differ from therapists in that we are there to help other people, you know, do this for themselves. It's providing the tools, the support, the great questions, you know, great questions bring great, great answers, but it's really the responsibility of the person that's being coached to show up for it and to ask, answer those questions and to be willing to dig deep. And that gets back to the willingness thing we talked about, you know, what are you willing to do? to rise to your goals and all of that. And if they're not willing to look at what is keeping them stuck, there's a bigger issue going on. And it, you know, that's, that's where the focus needs to be. And if there, there may come a point in the coaching where you hit upon something that is the realm of a therapist. And then that's my responsibility to say, this is the area that you can work on with a therapist, you know, and then come back to the table with coaching to help you with, you know, continuing to move forward. Cause coaches, mm -hmm. you know, we're, I'm all about the rise. I don't just want them to stay stuck in the roots. That's where, you know, that's <laughs> kind of where the, that's like, you know, it's the hard part is like the buck and the, and the, you know, you're getting dirty. But once we do that work and we're willing to do it, then we can expect great things. You know, then we can rise yeah. and get into the fun stuff, the vision work, the, yeah. the building that bucket list, living that bucket list, figuring out what we want to connect to, what is our higher purpose, the mission, all of that stuff. I mean, that's where the fun is. But if we're stuck in the roots, we just can't expect ourselves to get there. And honestly, I think that's a big thing about what midlife crises are about. I think a lot mm -hmm. of times it's, we're just come to this point in our life where we, thought we would have reached a certain level or accomplishments mm -hmm. by a certain age. And when we haven't done that or something's gotten in the way, maybe we, we've achieved some other things, but you know, just not that big dream, then, okay, time to go back in the roost because something in your foundation held you back from that. Get unstuck, free that up, keep going. So that's you know what I would say to that question. How much do you think, Chandra, is that about people not giving any thought to or being clear about what they really want in that a lot of people that I interact with, including myself in my own journey, they get to that point and our, our guest right before this was saying she had achieved all this success, but her life was miserable. She was traveling. She wasn't with her family. She was overworked. She was overstressed, but she had achieved what we call culturally success. Right. And then I think a lot of times people get there and the question they come to me with is, is this all there is? You got to be kidding. You know, 
And I think a big part is that was not really given thought. It's okay, I'm going for that material success, career success, without even thinking about how it might impact my life. Okay, today I'm just thinking in metaphors. Everything that's coming to me is metaphors, so bear with me. I just thought of two metaphors. One is it's like having this idea that you want to go from California to Florida <laughs> to visit my friend Jeff and realizing that I'm just I'm on the road and I'm just taking, you know, I'm just wandering all over the place trying to find Florida, you know, and that we actually need to put a plan, a map, you know, it kind of points on the map together to get from the point A to point B. And when we do that, we can't be so rigid that if it doesn't follow that exact plan, mm -hmm. that we're going to be thrown off course to the point where we try to go back. Instead, we are flexible enough to say, oh, there's a roadblock here. I'm going to, you know, veer off here, maybe see a different point of interest first, or, oh, maybe it's going to require me to spend an extra night in a hotel, but then I'll be able to go in the morning, whatever. It's like be flexible along that path to make small course corrections. But first of all, know that we're going to Florida. Second of all, know the general route in which we're going to take to get there. Now, the second metaphor is is one based on a mountain. And this was a past therapist um, shared with me, which is that sometimes we don't really know until we get to a certain vista what's around the corner. Right. And until we can see it, we can't really make all the decisions. We, do, we just don't have all the information. So as we're on that journey, on that either, you know, in the car on that map, or maybe it's a map to go up to the top of the mountain, we have to be ready to, you know, see around the corner, get to that next Vista point, and then course correct and make decisions. That's what these pivots and things are all about that we're talking about. Yeah. Like Zig Ziglar says, go as far as you can see. And then once you get there, you'll be able to see farther. And allow yourself to be able to make a decision based on the new, the new view. I think that oh. we get so hmm, attached yeah. to, right? Wow. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> We get our attached to how it was supposed to be, you know, how we right. charted it out to be, that it causes pain and mm. dissonance to course correct when actually it's a beautiful thing because we have more information. Yeah, I think and I the think... challenge is when we have to lose something, right? Where when we have to get back to that, what are we going to let go of part that can feel painful sometimes, or maybe it can feel like a relief. You choose. <laughs> That's right. You choose. And it, it really does come down to that choice of how are we going to feel about this particular thing? But I think the enjoying the journey is, is so important. And so many people lose sight of that. They, they get stuck in, Oh, I gotta get, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Yeah. Okay. But you know, what, what can you do to take care of yourself while you're going through that? How, how can you take care of those things and have fun? Like, I'm a, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. You've been through Tony Robbins training. And one of the things he said is, you know, I've, I've been on the road 200 days and I, I was just fried. I had this, this jacuzzi. I decided I was going to make all my calls from the jacuzzi that day. And I had a great day. We I, have a choice. I, that's <laughs> right. We, we do. Well, I think that, Okay, so you are talking to somebody who's super ambitious. So I can relate to the yeah. person that said, is this all there is, you know, when we get there? Right. And the answer is yes, that's all it, there is because that's all you chose to <laughs> create, right? Yes. So if had, you know, enjoying that process, maybe by the time you got there, it would be somehow more rewarding or you yeah. see that that whole journey was, you know, brought you a lot along the way. Well, I think, you know, to your point there of saying, there is that all that there is. I think what oftentimes we get so singularly focused on one outcome that everything else loses meaning for us. And if we, if we realize, okay, family does mean something along the way. Our relationships mean something along the way. Our health means something along the way, our spiritual aspects. It's not just about making money. And when we, when we bring all of that with us, it is more fun. It's more enjoyable. You know, Jeff and I are building a business together. That's a lot more fun than building it solo. And, you know, along the way, we get to choose to have these things with us. So when we get to the end and we're not really saying, is this all there is? We're saying, hey, I'm, I'm here. This is fun. Yes. And what you're talking about that, that, I, that made me think about um, the roots again is that sometimes when we focus so much on in one root area, like say, yeah. for example, our career, then other roots don't 
get the nourishment. They don't grow, they get blocked, right? So yep. for example, if you're in sales and you're on the road all the time and you're eating out expensive meals with clients and you're in hotel rooms and you don't have time to exercise properly, yep. you're health and fitness route can get blocked. You can get gout. You can, you know, have other medical issues, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, whatever from that lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then it becomes about your health because when you don't have your health, you, you can't work, you can't give anything to any of the other areas of your life. And so what I always try to promote is that balance, you know, yes, you can be successful and driven and, and, um, you know, achieving oriented, as long as you're also, you know, putting energy into the other root mm-hmm. areas of your life. And what, what Root to Rise, the course does is help them see where they're at in their root areas mm-hmm. and be able to constantly be evaluating that for themselves based on human needs psychology. And so we, we do this because it's meeting our needs in some way. And so there's yep. six needs that, um, a lot of people are aware of, and I've adapted on them a little bit from my course, but the idea is that when we're in touch with our needs, it can give us a lot more understanding of why we make the decisions that we make. And then we can be more conscious about them to make great decisions, which I think equals the great life. (laughs) Chandra, I'm really curious about those, those factors. The one that keeps coming into my head during this discussion and they're related is safety and security. Because uh, I'm very aware of how that drives my decisions, and maybe part of it is the awareness, and I see it in others. I, as you were talking about your metaphors, it flashed that a couple of years ago, I lived in Cleveland for 35 years, and well, I mean, I was pretty rooted there, <laughs> but the last several years, I certainly embraced the nomad in me, mm, and big time. loved traveling, and really felt like a gypsy. And it, it hit me to buy a condo and I bought a condo and people said, well, Jeff, why are you buying a condo? What if you decide to leave in a year? They said, then I'll leave <laughs> like to them. But to them, so many people were like, well, if you bought a house, now you're rooted here. I said, no, it's just a house. What I like to me, they were speaking a foreign language. And then I realized what was a common language amongst a lot of people driven by the need for safety, security, and certainty. So what do you, how do you see that play out in the people's stuckness and the challenges of, of moving out of stuck into their glow? I think it's probably the number one area, to be honest with you, because, and if you look at something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you'll see that, you know, it's, it's just in, well, his is a pyramid approach, but it, in his, it shows that it's, it's at the bottom of the pyramid. It's very difficult to ascend when you're stuck in some area there. Right. And so my, my, uh, way that I define the roots is, is not in, um, a hierarchy. However, that's a very uh, masculine approach, but, um, when, when you do look at something like security, it is true that when you have, when you're not secure, you don't have that certainty. And we are experiencing that now in, in most of us with the pandemic, then our need for it increases and it becomes our focus. And some of the other needs, like your need to go, you know, travel and and experience variety and and maybe more uncertainty is less of, um, maybe it's less of a focus. It may still be a need. I mean, it is still a need that you have in you. It's just that our focus has to go towards the secure, the baseline security needs first, and then we can grow and transcend from there. So, yeah, I definitely see that across all of our root areas, especially when it comes to financial security, because, you know, our, our livelihoods are being threatened. Um, that means we could lose our homes. Some people have. It's, um, I just, God, I just saw some horrible encampments down in Berkeley area the other day and was just thinking how real it's all getting for everyone. So it makes sense that the security need would be something that would be a huge focus and sticking point for people. And it is very difficult to rise when you're just focusing in that area. Mm. So can I offer um, some just small little, maybe first step towards supporting them in that area? So one of the things that people commonly do when they're feeling insecure about their financials is they um, make things worse than they actually are because (laughs) they don't really know what they actually are. So what I offer is a very practical 
uh, solution, which is come up with a break-even analysis, build a real budget for what you need in your life to survive, because it may be different than what you feel like it is, because different people have different needs for security. For one person, it might be, oh, I got my stimulus check and, and unemployment and I'm cool. Another person might be on the other end of the spectrum and need millions of dollars to feel secure inside. Neither is right or wrong. Some of it has to do with our upbringing and and our just individual personalities. But when we know the actual number that we need, then we can build an actual plan around it. And we can let go of some of the anxiety because it's, if you don't know what you need, then it's never going to be enough. Mm -hmm. And we are always going to be on that hamster wheel of, of anxiety, trying to to just attract more. And so when we say, okay, well, at a very baseline security level, I need X, then we can look, is, are there ways to shave that? Are there new ways of generating income that could cover that? Um, so know your number. That's yeah. one of my very first pieces of advice because then you won't make it worse than it actually is. I'm not saying it's good. That number might still be a challenge. It's just, you're not gonna make it worse than it is. And that's the first step. Well, one of the things that's interesting about that is when we, when we look at that, we're looking still at the lens of what we need based on what we've always had. And when Jeff and I, when the COVID first came through, Jeff and I did a series of webinars and he started talking about this, this person that he said, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in a panic because they say we have to have two months of food available. You wanna to speak to that, Jeff? Yeah, my, it was a very good friend of mine. He had heard that recommendation and he was said, I'm pretty freaked out because I don't have two months worth of food. And I said, his name's Matt. I said, actually, Matt, you do. And he said, well, you haven't been in my <laughs> cupboard. And I said, well, Matt, I don't have to be in your cupboard. What you really, what's really true is you probably don't have two months worth of food the way you typically eat meals. Right. And I said, I'm not even talking about starving yourself at all. I'm not talking about that. But you're used to having, you know, fresh meat and all this and every couple of days. And he said, wow, you know what? We probably have four months worth of food <laughs> without eating any less, just eating differently. Yeah. But his reaction was, this is what I'm used to. And they're saying, I need two months of that. I don't have that. So it just took a pause to just ask that question. So take a breath. Yeah, actually, you do. And I think there's so much of that. And I think that's part of what you said at the beginning of the conversation, Chandra, is the meanings we put on things yeah. and how we interpret the data based upon whatever our lens is of fear, security, lack of it, all of those things define my experience more than what the so-called reality is. Yeah. I love what... Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say... I, I love I lo it too. <laughs> I love what you're talking about too, Chandra, and how you're connecting the roots to a healthy tree. You know, so if you're if you're looking at that, you can't have a a healthy tree if you don't have solid roots. And so coming back to what you're talking about, you need to put energy in each of those areas otherwise you're going to have a lopsided tree. And it's just not, you know, it's going to fall over or you know, it's it's going to be very susceptible to a storm. It's so interesting you say that because there's a part of my course where I talk about withstanding storms, yeah. um, dealing with winds of change, <laughs> you know, dealing with grief and loss and all of that kind of stuff. And yes, I do use that nature-based metaphor, those nature-based metaphors a lot. And, you know, side note, partially because we can all relate to them. They're universal, you know, they're, they're based, it's based on universal truths and nature-based wisdom is basically yeah. where I'm coming from. So I, I love that you're picking up on that um, so easily. But yeah, the, the, when you have shallow roots, you know, a big wind could knock it over. Maybe you have a little bit deeper roots, a big storm can knock you over. So, you know, having the really deep roots that are nourished and balanced is the best solution that I can offer people <laughs> to yeah. stay in balance and grow. And I think of it, it was interesting when you said, oh, you might have this tree that's kind of lopsided. I, I like thinking of that because I had always thought about it as its branches being short, like not being able to reach their fullest potential, not being able to have these long, strong branches reaching to the sun. Instead, it might, they might be little branches. Um, so it's interesting just how there's different visuals. Everybody's brain works differently. Um, but yeah, it's like, if we want to have long, strong roots, then again, as above, so below, we will then have long, strong branches. And yeah. that's what we're, you know, we're reaching and rising to. 
Well, I'm actually looking at a tree. So I have two different Bradford pears in our front yard. One is gigantic. The other one is stunted and lopsided because I don't know if it was because of some uh, weed killer or something I put on one side, but the root system on one side clearly wasn't as sufficient and it only grew well on one side and the other side was stunted. So lopsided. <laughs> see, you looked at nature to see the nature-based truth yeah. and wisdom. So that's, right. that's exactly what I invite people to do because if we're completely lost, there's, there's at least that around us that we can believe in. If we're, if we're skeptical, if, if people listening are skeptical about what we're saying, then, you know, they can go see, see these principles for themselves out in nature. Yep. Well, I love that. There's nowhere to hide from nature. And I think it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're reminding us, Chandra. Yeah. Because I go to nature a lot in terms mm -hmm. of like, for example, my, I have a belief system around synchronicity and that every works, everything works in a system and it's based upon yep. nature. You don't have to tell nature, like you said, the trees, the, the leaves change, they fall off. There's no, got, no one's guiding that. But when to see nature unfold and then say the, the life is a bunch of random occurrences just <laughs> right. makes no sense to me. No. How, how could that happen? And this could, I'm all random. I, it just right. doesn't make sense to me. There's well, a lot I, of I'm patterns, so even, yeah, even the, the things that, that seem random in nature, actually, if you look closer, can have patterns, you know, some of the things that we think look haphazard when you get into even a cellular level, you can start to see a lot more patterning going on. So yeah, we, it's, uh, some of it has to do with just trusting in that. <laughs> well, I guess I'm pr doing pretty well in trust. Always an opportunity to get better, but I'm, I'm well. That's a big issue for place. a lot of people, though, is not being able to trust. So that's fantastic if you're doing good in that. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful you were with us, Chandra. I yep. learned some new things. I have some new perspectives to take into my own journey and uh, to share with others, as you have with our listeners. Uh, I want to make sure we get a chance to. I know you've mentioned your course, but is there something in particular you want to promote? Let our listeners know about whether it's the course or something else? Sure. Yes. Thank you. I um, just want to make sure people took away that there's a course called Root to Rise. It's actually two parts, roots and rise. And <laughs> I did that because it got so big and, and so deep, you know, and I just thought, okay, I got to make it, break it up a little bit to make it more approachable. So we start in the roots, surprise. And that part of the course I'm giving away for free right now to get people through the pandemic. It is a limited time offer. It's normally $8.97. So it's a big, big freebie. I, I'll give you guys a special link for them to access it because if they go and try to get it right now, it won't be free. So they need the code. Right. So I'll give that to you guys. Okay. And then if they like it, they can choose to go on and take the second part, which I think is the fun part, the cool <laughs> part, the rise. And um, yeah, I love, I'd love for them to check that out. And along the way, there's other freebies I can um, offer. One is to take a quiz, a free quiz that I have on my website called Hidden Forces. And it's an eight, I mean, I'm sorry, nine questions. They can find out which of their driving needs mm. is responsible for their decisions right now. And to keep in mind, it changes based on what's going on in their life. And they can take the quiz as many times as they want. But it's a really great introduction to the needs because they can see which one. And I call them the hidden forces because there are these things driving our decisions. They, they're, the punchline is there are human needs, which we've been talking about. <laughs> but that, you know, it's um, important to know which ones are responsible for your, your key life decisions so that you can, you know, be conscious about that. So they get the immediate result and then a little video where I describe that and then they can get the videos to the other needs if they want to learn about it. But yeah, take the quiz on glowliving.com. Get the link to the free uh, Root to Rise part one and, um, you know, just stay in touch with me. Let me know what you need. I'm happy. I'm here to serve. Great. Well, thank, thank you, you for that, Chandra. And what is the best way? Uh, we'll look for that link. You'll send it to us. Mm -hmm. We'll put it in the notes as well as your websites. But what is the best way for people to reach out to you and get in contact with you? Well, my email is chandra at glowliving.com. And I also invite you to, you know, because this is leadership podcast is related to careers and things, I invite you to link with me on LinkedIn. You know, I let we can message and, and have direct communications there, just support each other in in all those ways of growing through our businesses and stuff too. Sounds good. Thank well, you thank you, Chandra. And I thank you. 
I, I still want to ask you one of our closing questions. You oh, yeah. shared so much wisdom today, <laughs> but the question I want to ask you is about wisdom. There's so much you can and have shared, but what's that one super golden nugget of wisdom that you want to leave everybody with? Wow. That's hard. There's so much, but let's just say today it's balancing your roots. Learn to balance your roots. Gotcha. I think, I love I that. think we, we talked a lot about balancing your roots and I think we hopefully, you know, showed the importance of them. But when we do that, we have the, the best foundation to rise from. And then you can be justified in the expectations that you have had for yourself to reach the goals and aspirations that you have for your life. Awesome. Thank you, Chandra. Thank you guys so much. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.